Welcome to the Ghosties Podcast. I'm Christina, a psychic medium. And I'm Missy, a medium in training. We are besties who look for ghosties. Join us as we go on our paranormal investigations, ghost hunting trips, and crossing over earthbound spirits along the way. This is Ghosties. Hello. How's everybody doing? How are you? Welcome. Welcome to the Ghost Podcast. (laughs) Someone started to open their eyes over there, so Uh we're going to stay on top of things. All right. It's Friday. 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 Yeah. My favorite day to release podcasts. That's right. I don't even know if that's um, the correct day to do it, but we're doing it. It's our day. It's our day. You can't take that away from us. That's right. So, <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> me, me, me. <laughs> Adjust my vocal cords. We are kind of going to follow up a little bit today on our Bermuda Triangle episode, but talk about the other triangles of the world. Mm-hmm. And there are a plenty. Ooh, okay. There's like five or six. I didn't count. Okay. You know what's funny is I looked up different ones, and it didn't even come up with Australia and Alaska, which is what I found the last oh. time. And I was like, wait a minute. Uh-huh. So I have very little on like Alaska, <laughs> but these other ones have um, a lot of information. Oh, cool. <clears throat> and... All these things have the same thing in common, the triangles. Obviously, like they, each corner of it kind of links to a different place and it's in the shape of a triangle. And like it's usually over water. It's, I think it's always over water, actually, excuse me. Mm-hmm. And there's disappearances, UFO sightings, um, and just unexplained phenomena. And some of them have cryptid references also, Ooh. which makes them all very spooky and intriguing. The First one we're going to talk about is the Bridgewater Triangle. Ooh, okay. It is an area of about 200 square miles within southeastern Massachusetts. Ooh. It's claimed to be a site of alleged paranormal phenomena ranging from UFOs to poltergeists, orbs, balls of fire, and other spectral phenomena. Various Bigfoot-like sightings, giant snakes, and thunderbirds, which we'll get into all this. Very nice. I have to take a pause in a minute. Let's see if I can get through this. Okay. Sprawling across a piece of Massachusetts, the Bridgewater Triangle covers some of the most mysterious terrain you can imagine. Think um, bleak wetlands and wooded zones large and dense enough to get lost in. Wow. This is the area that gave rise to one of the very first UFO sightings. Um, in 1760, onlookers reported a sphere of fire, a sphere of fire, excuse me, <laughs> so bright it was seen across several towns. We will be right back, folks. All right. <laughs> and we're back. We're back. Boogie <laughs> break. Okay. Back to the Bridgewater Triangle. In 1908, a pair of undertake, oh my gosh, I just went all the way down to the bottom of my screen. Excuse me. <laughs> all right. A pair of undertakers traveling on a carriage mind you, Ooh. reported a flying object they link they likened to an unusually strong lantern. Other witnesses um, confirmed their story, but they assumed it was a hot air balloon. Oh, interesting. The undertakers didn't agree. One said, I claim... Excuse me. I'm reading. Did I just have a stroke? One of them said... I think so. <laughs> <laughs> it couldn't be a hot air balloon because it couldn't move in a circle or perpendicular as this one did. 
Oh. Since then, the tales of inexplicable phenomena have come time and time again in the Triangle, including sightings of creatures such as Bigfoot and Thunderbirds. Oh. What are Thunderbirds, you asked? Thunderbirds? 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 Well, I'm going to tell you. Okay. These are giant birds or pterodactyl-like flying creatures. Did mm-hmm. you already know this? Mm-hmm. Uh, well. They're, aren't they part of, like, Native American heritage? We Probably. used to reference Thunderbirds and Skinwalkers. Probably. And oh, their... like Skinwalker Ranch that I keep hearing about, mm-hmm. which we're going to have to cover at some time, I guess. Yeah. Um, their wingspans are 8 to 12 feet, and they're claimed to be have been seen in Hockamock Swamp and neighboring Taunton, and even police have reported that they've seen them. Mm-hmm. So if the cat saw it... <laughs> um, there's also um, been reports of animal mutilations. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, particularly in two places where local police were called to investigate mutilated animals believed to be the work of a cult. Um, mm. Two specific incidences in 1998 were reported, one in which a single adult cow was found butchered in the woods, and the other in which a group of calves were discovered in a clearing, grotesquely mutilated as if part of a ritual sacrifice. Yeah. So the whole area is just full of weird um Weirdness, and it also is believed that there are some Native American curses on the area too. Oh, because they were mad at their treatment they received from the settlers in colonial times. Mm-hmm. So that there's curses, um, which would go along with the Native American culture, like the Thunderbirds sightings. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay, there have also been sighting of huge, mysterious snakes. Ew. Yes. Um, in 1939, there were workers there that were completing a project on King Philip Street at the edge of the swamp, and they reported seeing a huge snake as large around and black as a stovepipe. Oh, jeez. The snake coiled for a moment, raised its spade-like head, and disappeared in the swamp. The local legends claim that a huge snake like this appears every seven years. <gasps> yep. Remember those stories that we read on Reddit um, that were talking about uh, cryptid sightings during the Vietnam War? Yeah. That was one of the... It was very similar about okay. stories talking about seeing huge, like, python-like Ugh. snakes, but that were big enough for their heads to touch the top of the trees. Disgusting. Yeah. Disgusting. Disgusting. Sorry about me. No, it's fine. <laughs> it's awful. Um, they also have a red-haired hitchhiker that apparently is seen. So if you're looking for, like, the spooky ghost story part... Mm. Um, it's a man with red hair and a red flannel shirt that leaps in front of your car. You slam on brakes and brace for a crash, but the crash never happens because nobody's there. Yikes. So all kinds of different phenomena around this area in general. Uh-huh. The next place we're going to talk about is in southwestern Vermont. It's called the Bennington Triangle. And it made me... Have you ever been to Vermont by chance? Mm-mm. I had to go a few years ago for on a work trip for this job I got um, because it was remote based we had to go out there to do training and stuff mm-hmm. it's pretty is it really remote though like yeah okay i was in st albans um flew into burlington um it's just the whole vibe there is mm-hmm. different i mean you're surrounded by water and stuff anyways so mm-hmm. that kind of makes sense mm-hmm. this is bennington triangle <clears throat> It is an area of southwestern Vermont within which a number of people went missing between 1945 and 1950. Excuse me. Yes. It it shares characteristics (laughs) with the Bridgewater Triangle that we just um, talked about. It is centered on Glastonbury Mountain and would include some of the most 
some or most of the area of the towns immediately surrounding it, especially Bennington, Woodford, and Shaftesbury, and mm-hmm. Somerset. Um, apparently, Glastonbury used to be like a big industrial town, really hustle bustle, like a lot, very highly populated. Well, according to the population, it only has a population of eight now. Oh, gives you an idea of how isolated that area is. Dang. Okay, so this is a story from there in 1945 November 12th a 74 year old woman Mitty Rivers disappeared while out hunting woman or man excuse me man Jesus okay so woman not a woman <laughs> but a man a man yes okay gotcha Mitty Rivers was 74 years old he disappeared while hunting he was guiding a group of four hunters up the mountains on the way back he got ahead of the group and was never seen again an extensive extensive search was conducted but the only evidence discovered was a single rifle cartridge that was found in a stream they speculated that um he had leaned over and the cartridge had dropped out of his pocket into the water um but he was an experienced hunter and fisherman and familiar with the local area so there was no reason that he would have just disappeared wow so there's your first disappearance um the second one is paula weldon which was in 1946 she was 18 years old disappeared a year after he did um she was a sophomore at bennington she had set out for a hike on the long trail many saw her go and she even asked you know some people for directions while she was out there there was an old couple um that were about 100 yards behind her while she was out there walking According to them, she turned a corner on the trail, and when they reached the same corner, she had disappeared. Oh, my gosh. An extensive search was conducted uh, when she didn't return to the campus, which included the posting of a $5,000 reward and help from the FBI. However, no evidence of her was ever found. Oh, my gosh. Also, she was not wearing a jacket, and considering that it was 50 degrees outside and then later dropped to 9 degrees at night makes this even more of a mystery. Wow. Mm -hmm. And then, Hmm. that was December 1st, 1946. December 1st, 1949, (gasps) this man, James Tedford, actually went missing. He was a veteran. He was the third person to disappear there. Exactly three years to the day after Paula had disappeared. He had been in St. Albans, which is where I visited, Mm -hmm. visiting relatives and was returning home on the local bus when he vanished. According to witnesses, he got on the bus and was still on the bus at the last stop before arriving in Bennington. Somewhere between the last stop and Bennington, he vanished. What? His belongings were still in the luggage rack, and an open bus timetable was on his vacant seat. What? So he disappeared, like, on the bus in that area. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. Holy cow. Yep. The next one is uh, Paul Jepson in 1950. He was an eight-year-old. He It was on October 12th that year. He had accompanied his mother in a truck, um, and she had left this, her son unattended while she went to feed some pigs. His mother was gone for about an hour. When she returned, his, her son was nowhere in sight. Search parties were formed to look for him, and nothing was ever found, though he was wearing a bright red jacket that should have made him more visible. According to one story, bloodhounds tracked the boy to a local highway, where, according to legend, that was exactly where Paula Weldon had disappeared four years earlier. What? So they tracked his scent to the same place that she went missing. What is going on? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. What? Is, is this the last one for this one? Frida. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
This was October of 1950 also. So it was 16 days after he vanished. Okay. She, Frida Langer, was 53. She and her cousin had left their family campsite near the Somerset Reservoir to go on a hike. During the hike, Langer slipped and fell into um, the stream. She told Elsner, her cousin, if he would wait, she would go back to the campsite, change clothes, and come and catch back up to him. Well, she never returned. Oh, my gosh. So he made his way back to the campsite and found out she hadn't returned and that nobody had seen her since they had left. Over the next two weeks, five searches were conducted involving aircraft, helicopters, and up to 300 searchers. No trace of her was ever found. Until May 12, 1951, her body was found near Somerset Reservoir in an area that had been extensively searched already months previously, and no cause of death could be concerned uh, could be determined because of the condition of her remains. Jeez. Oh no. So yeah, it was just weird because there wasn't like you know anything that led them to believe there was any form of like misconduct. Nothing. Yeah. I got it. Got it. Okay. Sorry, guys. Baby mishap. <laughs> you just literally projectiled <laughs> all over my leg and I felt it. All right. So we're going to go on to the next one, which we talked about a little bit last time. This is the one that's out in the Pacific, um, the Dragon's Triangle. Ooh, okay. Yes. So we talked about last time that giant ship that they received like a mayday call and they went out. Yeah. And found everybody like it looked like they'd been frozen and like with a shocked face. Yeah. And then when they towed the boat back to port, caught fire. Yes. You remember? Yes. <laughs> that one. That's this. Ooh. Sorry. <laughs> if y'all hear anything, Logan's over Logan. here being burped. <laughs> so the Dragon's Triangle is also known as the Devil's Sea or the Formosa Triangle. It's an area of water just off the coast of Japan, south of Tokyo. And it has been linked to numerous stories of ship disappearances, ah. UFO sightings, and other magnetic anomalies. Okay. Between 1950 and 1954, nine modern ships and several hundred crews were lost without trace. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so this is kind of the same time as that other triangle. I think that was 1945 to 1950. And it's funny because a lot of these disappearances in all these places happened in the 40s and 50s, now that I'm looking mm-hmm. back at it. Mm-hmm. So that leads me to the question. Now... That time in the 40s, um, that was during World War II. Mm-hmm. So it leads me to qu- wonder, was it related? Could it be related it to could the war? Be. And the it energy that be. was going on? It could be. Yeah. That might be something for us to look into, because I never thought about it until right now that I'm reading it. It could be. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. In 1955, the Japanese government sent a ship to the sea for investigating unexplained ship losses, but this ship vanished. Um, and after that incident, the authorities actually labeled the sea as a danger zone. Wow. Yeah. Um, da, 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 da. In 1944, a Japanese pilot had a weird experience in the midst of a heavy combat against U.S. forces. He claims that he caught sight of a huge sea monster when he was in an aerial battle. He said it was serpent-like, so here's your a giant wow. snake again. That a, the serpent-like monster swam through the waters quickly and held its head aloft. The serpent had two huge triangular wings that helped it navigate through the churning waters. It was supposedly about 150 feet long. Oh my so gosh. So there's like your monster reference for that area. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't do a lot of stories for this since we told that big one last week. But yeah, there was just a lot of military vessels that vanished during that time that were never 
found. Wow. And they sent out search parties and everything, and they... Hmm. And because they couldn't figure it out, they're like, this is a danger zone. Just don't... At least they labeled it. They yeah. won't even label it in the Bermuda Triangle. Yeah, our government won't even acknowledge it, allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. Mm-hmm. Again, they know. Something. They know. <laughs> okay. Here's another one. There is um, a triangle over Lake Michigan. Oh, cool. It stretches out for over 300 miles. Mm-hmm. Um, and... There have been apparently aerial sightings of UFOs over there and weird other um, phenomena. Interesting. Um, the first mysteries come back from the 19th century with boats frequently going missing on the lake. One famous victim of the triangle was the Rosa Bell, and it was a double massive vessel which was found capsized on the lake with no trace of the crew. Her ruptured stern indicated she had been rammed by another vessel, but no other ship reported any accident. Oh, my gosh. So, it's just like an accident that, you know, apparently happened. But, I mean, can you really have a hit and run on a boat? You know what I mean? Yeah, it's true. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. The history of the incidents there can actually be traced back to the 17th century. Mm, okay. It was a time when the world was like exploring new ways and routes for expanding trade. Mm-hmm. Le, Le Griffin, which was one of the largest sailing vessels of its time, set out on its maiden voyage in 1679 to find a northwest passage to China and Japan. All went well until the ship reached that triangle, never to come back. Oh my goodness. Although it is not the only ship that might have been submerged, the horrifying part is that no wreckage of the ship nor any traces of the crew have ever been found, even to this day. Wow. And that was in 1679. Wow. So nothing ever has been found. There's also a report um, on a, a clear, cloudless day. There was a crew out there in 1883, and they were on a wooden tugboat named the Mary McLean. And it worked out of the Chicago. Mm. Excuse me about my stroke again. The Chicago Harbor. Um, they claim to have witnessed mighty blocks of ice falling from the sky while on the lake. For a whole 30 minutes, it didn't stop, and it was so powerful it caused dents in the wooden surface. The crew managed to save a large chunk of the ice in its ice box and recounted the hor- horrific ordeal at the harbor. So this was like bigger than hail. Mm-hmm. There were no clouds in the sky. Mm-hmm. It was clear. So it seems like some kind of warfare from a different dimension or something. You know what I mean? Interesting. In 1891, there was the disappearance of the Thomas Hume, which was a three-masted schooner on its journey from Chicago. They had a $300 reward out to find some wreckage from it, but nobody ever found any. After more than a century, in 2006, the wreckage was finally discovered by a diver in some part of Lake Michigan. It confirmed its identity, but they still have no... They don't know why it just disappeared. Mm-hmm. They can't figure it out based on anything that they found. Wow. That's crazy. In 1919, a lot of people observed some bright lights in the sky above the triangle. Mm-hmm. It looked like two large balls of fire falling into Lake Michigan, and the explosion was so powerful that it shook the earth. Oh, my goodness. Um, many reports of the sighting... Um, Many locals reported sighting. Sorry, I'm having a hard time reading and balancing this little one. Excuse me, everyone. <sighs> All right, the next one, if I can get him settled. Hey, are you going to settle down so we can record? Huh? They don't want to hear you, and they don't want to hear me stumble over my words for 30 minutes. Got it? Okay. okay. Let me get my bearings on this one. Okay. 
1937, the Captain George, Captain George Donner was out guiding a ship named the O.M. McFarlane. He was, they were on their way to Port Washington, Wisconsin, when the captain went to his cabin, leaving a message to the crew members to awaken him when they were near the port. The crew followed the instruction and knocked on the captain's cabin, but received no response. Much to their surprise, the cabin was locked from the inside, and they had to break the door down to get in. But the captain was nowhere to be found, and he had vanished without any trace. Wow. They were in the Michigan Tribal when that occurred. Wow. So, yeah, another person just randomly vanishing out of nowhere. Goodness. One of these triangles. Yeah. Like, they're just snatched up. Uh-huh. And he was in his room, locked on the inside, no way to get out. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. There was an <laughs> aircraft disaster in 1950. Orient Airlines Flight 2501 with 55 and three crew members was on its way from New York <laughs> when the event occurred. Just before the flight vanished from radar, the captain had requested to descend to cruising altitude to 2,500 due to extreme and unexpected turbulence. The permission could not be granted, and the flight continued at 3,500 feet over Lake Michigan. The flight never reached its destination, nor was the plane's wreckage found. The reason for the crash remains a mystery, and only remains were found, the only remains that were found were body fragments and light debris. Oh my goodness. <clears throat> Good grief. Also, they did you know that there is a United States Stonehenge in Lake Michigan? Did you no, know uh-uh. Yeah. Archaeologists have discovered a structure made of stones resembling a Stonehenge in a shallow segment of Lake Michigan. There is also a boulder that features an image of a mastodon, which is, it looks like a um, giant, I guess, woolly mammoth or something the giant mm-hmm. tusk i had to look it up oh really <laughs> yeah i didn't know what a mastodon was i was like i want to know what this is before i say oh there's a giant <laughs> mastodon statue mm-hmm. the species that was extinct ten thousand years ago the exact location of this has not been revealed to the world because research is still being done wow to, see if it's linked to like the triangle disappearance and stuff so that kind of reminded me of the whole atlantis vibe yeah underwater uh-huh yeah. you have to wonder mm-hmm Interesting. They still don't know if the structure is man-made or not. Wow. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. So Interesting. That, that, for some reason, made me think of the monoliths that keep popping up. Yeah. Remember the last one that popped up with writing on it? Yeah. Uh-huh. Interesting. Can we take a two-second break? Sure. Yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Bye. Okay. And we're back. We're back. Christina has Logan, so maybe that I can read now uninterrupted. That's a big maybe. We'll see how long this lasts. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the next triangle we're going to talk about is in Australia, which I mentioned last time that there's one. It's like Melbourne. I can't remember the other areas of it. I should have looked that up. It's also called the Bass Strait. Oh. Yes. In 1920, this is one of the first stories. In 1920, while sailing into the Bass Strait, the SS Amelia J disappeared without a trace shortly after enter- entering the infamous stretch of water. The Australian military would conduct an extensive search of the area. However, two of the military aircraft involved in the search also vanished. Ooh. That's crazy. The strangest thing about the incident is that there are reports of strange lights being in the skies over there at the time. Ooh. In October of 1934, while crossing the strait in perfect weather conditions for flying, the airliner Miss Hobart would vanish without a trace. There were 11 people on board, 9 passengers, and 2 pilots. 
Neither they nor even the smallest amount of wreckage was ever discovered despite extensive searches by military aircraft and vessels. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Yes. Isn't that crazy? Logan thinks it's crazy too. (laughs) (laughs) Aviation experts both at that time and today believe the loss um, is like a genuine mystery. Um, Goodness. Being that the aircraft they were on was one of the most advanced of its time. Goodness. It made use of four independent uh, engines with the likelihood of all yeah. engines failing at the same time being almost impossible. Wow. Yeah. Even if that had happened, the plane was designed so that it should have been able to be guided to emergency landings. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. The last transmission from the Miss Hobart spookily shares a detail with that um, of another account. The crew allegedly claimed they could hear the sound of a plane around them. And there were even several reports of an aerial machine coming toward them. Oh my goodness. The, then the humming stopped suddenly and nothing was heard after that. Oh so my they're goodness. hearing a plane around them uh-huh. and that they couldn't see it. And then it stopped and then they disappeared. So this oh is um, in other stories too. It's going to reference this plane thing. Oh Almost a year God. following that disappearance, another plane, the, the Loina, L O I N A, mm-hmm. would vanish while traveling from Melbourne to Tasmania. The aircraft had just radioed the control tower in Tasmania to say it was preparing to make its approach to land when suddenly it went silent. There were three passengers and two pilots on it. While none of the five people on board were ever located, a search of the waters did recover minimal wreckage. Three of the plane seats were discovered, as well as the uh, patrol tank. The most intriguing was a small piece of the floor of the plane. There appeared to be a burned patch only several centimeters wide. Wow. Further analysis suggested the area had been in flames and other material appeared to show someone had tried to intensely stamp it out. Oh my um, goodness. They don't know if that had anything to do with the fate of the plane. Holy cow. Um, but yeah, it's, and this talks also about how there were a lot of accounts, uh, strange accounts near this area in World War II. Wow. But there were never any official reports of enemy fighters entering into the street. Interesting. But being being that there were never official reports, it was weird that 17 military planes were lost in that stretch of water during the war years. Wow. It's interesting that there's been a lot of like war accounts of this happening. Yeah. Like you said, you have to wonder if the war had something to do vibrationally with it. Yeah. Like hmm. there was not any, you know, fighting going on right there, but a lot of military planes mm-hmm. went missing. Mm-hmm. Um, in 1944, a strange dark shadow came out of nowhere and flew beside a bomber for almost 20 minutes over the street. Oh then, without goodness. warning, it shot up into space and vanished. So there's a little UFO tale for you. Ooh. Here's another one. Two years earlier, in 1942, an Australian fighter pilot took its plane over to the street after orders to investigate reports of strange lights made by fishermen. Interesting. As he surveyed the area, a huge bronze disc came out of the clouds and settled alongside him for several moments before vanishing as quickly as it appeared. What? So there's our little UFO. In bronze at that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Okay. Here is an account of, I don't know if it's Frederick or Friedrich, we'll leave that up to you, Valentik, <laughs> he was an Australian pilot, and he disappeared while on a 125 nautical mile training flight in an aircraft um, on the Bass Strait over the evening of set, mm, Saturday, the 21st of October, 1978. I really shouldn't read stories on here because I really just trip over my words. <laughs> I was the same way today. I think there's something in the air. 
he was actually kind of a flying saucer enthusiast, they call him. Uh-huh. So he was 20 years old. Um, he informed traffic con- air traffic control that he was being accompanied by an aircraft about 1,000 feet above him. Oh, my goodness. And that his engine had begun run- running roughly before reporting, it's not an aircraft. What? Yeah. The same night, there were tons of reports of UFOs in Australia. On that same day... Roy Manifold um, captured a picture of a strange object in the sight in the sky, <laughs> the same sight. I just need to give up. What am I even doing right now? You got it. You got it. Okay. He saw something in the sky. His son was with him, but he had gone in the shed after taking the picture. Um, so Jason remained outside watching the sky. He couldn't see anything after that picture he took, but he could hear the sound of a plane engine overhead. Oh my goodness. Instead of gradually fading off into the distance, it suddenly came to a stop as if someone had turned the radio off. Then there was nothing but silence. They believe it was in connection with disappearance of the same flyer, the aircraft, Friedrich, that disappeared. What? So he was all of a sudden, this guy was all of a sudden flying. All of a sudden something happened to his plane and the engine malfunctioned as he saw something flying above him. And at the same time, oh somebody on the ground saw potentially the disc that was flying above oh that plane, but never saw that plane, but heard it, and then the wow. sound stopped. So it's like it flew into another dimension or uh-huh. something. I have goosebumps all on my left side right now. That's crazy. Yeah. I've seen, I saw a video years ago of um, what looked like a UFO and like a box that looked almost like a door opened above it, and it just hovered into that box and... The box closed, or the door closed, and when it did, clouds covered it. Wish you could have seen my eyes right then. <laughs> Wish you could have seen my face. <laughs> Isn't that crazy, Logan? <laughs> Apparently there were a bunch of strange sightings right after this one, but it's it's really weird that there were multiple accounts of like a sound of a plane engine mm-hmm. being there, but no one could see it, and then all of a sudden it stops. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <gasps> You're doing okay. He's a mess. Let's see. A bunch of other UFO sightings. Um, on November 25th, a woman reported a doorway of light suddenly appearing in front of her property. What? She could see through the doorway to her driveway on the other side. Goodness. Um, and there have been apparently other ancient um, texts and other things accounting of these portals or gateways to other dimensions. So that kind of... Wow. Yeah. Agrees with what you were just saying. Interesting. Yeah. The last one, I don't have a whole lot on it. Um, there's a lot of disappearances in Alaska in general, but there is mm-hmm. an Alaskan triangle. Ooh. And they actually um, have seen several, like, cryptid sightings there. Mm-hmm. And we will talk about a few of those. Ooh. There's the Alaskan hairy man. Oh, the hairy man. So, like, the Sasquatch? Pretty much, yeah. Over 10 feet tall with shaggy coarse hair and elongated arms. Mm-hmm. Apparently, this foul-smelling ape-like creature <laughs> is said to live in the wide tundra of Alaska. Wow. According to the natives, the hairy man is descended from a species species of creatures known as the tornits. Oh. Um, there was some giant fight, and ever since then, there have been hundreds of stories about hunters going missing... Um, turning up mangled and mutilated and sights of the hairy man. Wow. 
He's just talking. <laughs> There's the, I don't know if I'm saying this right, the Kushtaka. Ooh, okay. K-U-S-H-T-A-K-A. -A. Okay. They are shape-shifting creatures said to look like a cross between an otter and a man. Ooh, interesting. Some stories describe them as helpful, but most portray them as deceptive creatures said to mimic the screams of women and children to lure uh, fishermen to their deaths. So that reminds me of, remember, like, earth elementals yep. that will make yep. a baby crying noise to yep. lure people into the woods? Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Yep. Wow. There's the Keelut, K-E-E-L-U-T. Mm-hmm. It's an evil spirit on earth, according to legend, and it's described as a black, hairless dog that preys on people traveling at night. Ugh. With only hair on its feet, oh. its tracks are said to disappear in the snow, meaning unlucky souls who happen to be stalked by it never have any warning that it's even lurking oh my around. Gosh. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. I just have all this stuff to say today. <laughs> now this. Oh gosh. Q-A-L-U-P-A-L-I-K. I don't know. <laughs> Kalupalik. <laughs> we'll call it Q. Yeah. Not to be confused with QAnon. Yes. They are child-snatching water creatures described as being human-like with green, scaly skin, long, dark, wet hair, and very long fingernails. According to legend, they live at sea and wear um, outfits that have pouches in them mm -hmm. to hold children. What? They wear them. They are said to hum and entice children to come closer to the water so they can snatch them away never to be seen again. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, they're saying there's a, it could be a space vortex over there that can transport things into other dimensions, which is why people go missing over there and things get lost. That's crazy. Um, yeah. So... There's other uh, theories that there's a UFO base there because since they have so many sightings since the 40s. But that is basically all the random triangles of the world. That is crazy. And I know that Logan's getting upset, so I don't know. <laughs> We're on borrowed time right now. Yeah, guys. <laughs> yeah. So if you know of any other um, bodies of water, I know that our friend Kat mentioned uh, Chessie, who's like the Chesapeake Bay Loch Ness Monster we need to look into. Um... But any kind of weird, like, water cryptid, triangle-like stories, we would love to hear them. Sorry that this episode was so <laughs> choppy and just rough, but hashtag mom life with a newborn. And Auntie Nina's is doing me the biggest favor by holding him right now. <laughs> but he's fussing, so. Thank you all for listening today. You can yes. find us on Instagram, Facebook. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Check out our videos. Um, and as always, email us with any of your stories. We're going to be doing our ghost share story next time. So if you have any stories, please send them our way. And thank you guys. Thank 